Zombify. Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Happy Draft Day. I'm your host, Adam Caster. Here as always, my co-host at Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you doing? Night recordings, fun stuff. Happy Draft Day, Adam. Happy Friday. It is past midnight here in the East Coast. Just got finished watching four hours of the draft. Forgot how tiring that is. Like, fuck. I'm, I'm, I'm a tired boy. Tired boy. And on top of just everything that today was and everything that is to come tomorrow, I'm shot, man. I'm shot. But the mock, the mock did well. The mock had a good. The mock had a good night. A lot of, uh, a lot of surprise picks that. Well, let's just say a lot of, uh, a lot of my sources were right about and then some which some of my my people were kind of uh up in arms about and uh yeah can't wait to talk about it late night recordings here we are feels like oh, feels like this is a, feel like this is a sunday night and we're just getting ready to talk about a game well this draft was as long as a game mm-hmm. so longer yeah longer long as a college football game probably mm-hmm. um but uh, come on, Bird, your your sources were wrong. Derrick Henry is still on the Titans. What's going on with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen. Before anybody gets the wrong idea, that, that I did not say that my sources said that. No, I know that I'm was a kidding. that was a hunch. Adam is trying to be funny. I don't need to be attacked. Don't attack okay. me. <laughs> I am trying to be funny. Don't attack I try, me. I try that a lot, actually. I have my teeth out tonight. I'm I'm tired, boy. <laughs> yeah. Well. And then, you know, let's not talk about it. Let's just focus on the on the one sport for once. Yes. Even though the Mets did win in a in great fashion. Love to see that. But um let's just get into the uh, into the draft and we'll talk about trades, you know, as we get there. Um, because it just doesn't make any sense to just go through them one by one if mm-hmm. we're just gonna because obviously they affect the actual order. So uh, starting off with, uh, you know, Bryce Young, first overall, safe pick, all what we all expected. Weird smokescreen. I don't know what that was about Will Levis that we talked about on Tuesday, but Will Levis wasn't even drafted in the first round. So, yeah, maybe, maybe it was more like Malik Willis than we thought. If anybody listened to the show on Tuesday, if anybody listened to the mock, if anybody listened to the uh, to the little report that I did Thursday morning about the first round, I was told that Carolina were, was drafting Bryce Young Thursday morning. That's what I was told. That was a done deal. I reported that on the last minute rumors show, and here we are. Panthers took went ahead, took Bryce Young. Long-term guy, he is the guy that Frank Reich is going to build his program in Carolina around. They needed to get a quarterback. They traded up to get a quarterback. They did it, and now it's time to go to work if you are the Carolina Panthers. Again, the only real concern with Bryce Young is the size, 5'11", 204. There's some questions about whether or not he can handle consistently being batted around at the next level, but I mean, we've seen smaller quarterbacks do pretty well before that have thicker bodies like 
Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. He's going to be just fine. Former Heisman Trophy winner. Single school passing record leader at Alabama for passing yards and touchdowns in a season. When he won that Heisman. He's going he's gonna to be just fine for the Carolina Panthers. I would expect within the next two or three years, we're talking about Bryce Young as a potential upper half quarterback in the National Football League. I think with Frank Reich at the helm, that'll really help him. Uh, that'll really help him get there. So solid all around pick, not the best year for, for quarterbacks, but I think Bryce Young definitely was the one that is the one that has the most potential, even though I am a bigger CJ Stroud fan than, than I am Bryce Young. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the height thing might be a bit overblown, but I yeah. honestly, I do get it because, um, you know, you have a situation where, you know, Baker Mayfield is kind of an example where he got a lot of passes batted down the line this year that he was like being constantly asked about that in his post-game pressers um, when he was in Carolina, ironically. Um, but yeah, we've seen a couple, like you said, a couple of success stories. And like, you know, when Russell Wilson was in college, that was one of the big knocks on him. And one of the reasons why he fell to the third round that year, um, 11 years ago, if you can believe that. Um, but he played in front of the, you know, one of the tallest offensive lines in the, in the NCAA in that year. But yeah, I don't know. The height thing doesn't really matter as much for me with Bryce Young, but, uh, yeah, good pick overall. All right, next up, the other guy, uh, C.J. Stroud going to Houston out of Ohio State. I'm sorry, out of the Ohio State. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, good consolation prize, I think. The whole posturing and the speculation about uh, the Texans were going to take a defensive player over CJ Stroud here was just absolutely silly and ridiculous. Um, I mentioned that to to Jake. I mentioned it to you, and um, I had mentioned it this morning, uh, Thursday morning as well. It, it it was silly. They had to take a quarterback here. You can't leave your brand new head coach, D'Amico Ryan's, without someone that he can build his offense around. I know he's a defensive minded guy, but the Texans were last in the league last year in yards per play, 31st in total offense. They needed to get a long-term option in there, and C.J. Stroud is that long-term option. Um, I thought that they were going to go ahead and potentially pair him once C.J. Stroud was picked. I thought they were going to go ahead and pair him with Jackson Smith and Jigba, but they had other plans with number three, them going ahead and taking Will Anderson and the, maybe the best defensive player in this in this draft, maybe the, definitely the safest uh, defensive pick in this entire draft. You know exactly what you're getting. Um, and he's a defensive pillar for the Houston Texans for the next decade. You get Will Anderson, CJ Stroud trade up from 12 to three to get Will Anderson. And I tell you, it's, it's, it's a gutsy call. It's a gutsy call to go ahead and do that. They paid a lot to make that jump, sending their own first round pick next year and more to the Arizona Cardinals to get this number three pick to get Will Anderson. That's a huge gamble to make. They went and they did it. And well, they'll have another first rounder. They'll have another first rounder next year. Right. They'll have Cleveland's, but Cleveland's, you know, ideally for Cleveland, that might be in only in the twenties. 
For Houston, yeah. you're talking about potentially that being a top five pick. And Arizona may have their own top five picks. So the Arizona Cardinals could have two top five picks next year, which is crazy. But for right now, there's a case to be made that the Houston Texans got the best quarterback in the draft and the best defensive player in the draft, and they were able to do it with pick two and pick three. That's excellent work by Nick Casario, excellent work by D'Amico Ryans, really good haul in the first round by the Houston Texans. They did really, really well. Yeah, the one thing that, I mean, listen, I'm a bit stitious. Not superstitious, just a bit stitious, for those that get that reference. Um, I feel like there is a bit of a curse with the number two guy, the number two quarterback that goes in that like one-two spot. You know, you have examples such as Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. Um, Robert Griffin the th- or Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin the third, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. I just will CJ Stroud be the guy to break the curse. The we'll most fitting comparison, I think, is Jameis Winston and Mariota because you the other mentioned the other names that you mentioned, Manning with Ryan Leaf, Andrew Luck with RG3, Trevor Lawrence with Zach Wilson. The first guys that you mentioned there are all generational quarterback prospects. And then the next guy after that. Bryce and CJ, neither one of them is generational. They're both very similar that offer different things, which is why I think the Jameis Mariota take is probably more in line with where with where I would be. But I, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's just... Honestly, it's just a number. It's just where you're picked. Yeah. Like it's not there's no actual like weight behind it. But you're you're a multimillionaire whether or not you're picked you're picked at one or whether you picked at two. But it's just it's a trend. It's a it's just a thing that that we've noticed um over the years. I'm sure there are definitely other examples I can think of, but um it's late. It's late at night. So <laughs> mm-hmm. uh yeah, great trade or kind of an interesting trade though with uh Arizona and Houston. We'll get to them in a second. Ballsy. Ballsy deal, but I like it. Very ballsy. Speaking of ballsy picks, or just ballsy moves in general, the Indianapolis Colts at number four select Anthony Richardson. So here's what I said when the Colts were on the clock here. As everybody knows, I'm a Will Levis guy at least over Anthony Richardson, right? The, this made sense. This made so much sense. Because if you look at Shane Steichen, where was he last year? He was That's, the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles. And what mm-hmm. just happened with the Philadelphia Eagles? Jalen Hurts became the highest paid player in the history of the National Football League, albeit for a couple of days. Before today or before, before Thursday. Yeah, before before yesterday with with Lamar Jackson. Which, by the way, Baltimore is looking to be in a really good spot. We'll get there in a minute. This is the kind of pick that either gives a coaching, uh, a head coach and a GM endless job security or gets everybody fired. 
I genuinely believe, and this is from this is from one source that I talked to over the course of the day. He said to me, and I quote, Anthony Richardson is the most risky first round pick by of a quarterback in the history of the draft. And I believe it. Really? I absolutely believe it. Yeah. Over Johnny Manziel. Yes. That's yes. Well, he has a lot to work on. Richardson does. He's a one-year starter. One-year starter at Florida. He only completed just north of 50% of his passes. 17 touchdowns. He had nine picks. And then he had about 2,500 yards passing. You know, the crazy he thing the is... Only... I did... go, uh, go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. Okay. I, well, it's like half of a joke, but I read this thing on Reddit because there are just threads about Anthony Richardson like constantly, it feels like, leading up to the draft. But they were like, you know, Josh Allen is really just given these project quarterbacks another like two to three years of evaluation time because every team thinks that every guy who has a rocket arm, who has physical skills and athletic talent is like, we can, we can fix him. We can mold him into a great quarterback. Just like, look at what the bills did with Josh Allen. You know, that's what probably what the jets saw in Zach Wilson. And that's, I don't know. Can't the reason why we keep talking about Josh Allen is because he's the exception. Adam Anthony Richardson is the only Power Five quarterback in the last three years that has at least three hundred passing attempts and completed less than fifty four percent of his passes. Like that's not good. No, it's not good. And we I've talked about this throughout the, throughout the pre draft process. He is far from the most polished passer in the world. There is no doubt though that he is a playmaker and he makes plays. And I think on paper, he is definitely a, he he has the skill set of a generational talent if he's able to put it all together. If he does, the high end is that the Colts are going to multiple Super Bowls with him at the helm. On the low end, he stinks, he flames out, and every single last person in Indianapolis gets fired. And they just fired everybody. Well, they didn't fire Chris Ballard. Oh, well, yeah. This is this is the last stand. If Anthony Richardson pans out, then Chris Ballard is a genius. Anthony Richardson doesn't pan out, then Chris Ballard and everybody else gets fired. The crazy and thing they start is, from, and they start from scratch again. This does not seem like a Chris Ballard kind of pick either. Chris Ballard, no, it, it, no, it definitely is a, is a Shane Steichen pick because Shane Steichen has experience with these kind of quarterbacks, namely, you know, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts was a better, whatever. Jalen Hurts was a better passer coming out of college sure. than Anthony Richardson. Sure, but Richardson has a has a cannon. He's got he's got a hose. He's got a hose. Just a matter of him being able to do it consistently. So did Jamarcus Russell. Like different, different quarterbacks though. Different, 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 different. Jamarcus Russell could not move. Richardson could move. So whatever flaws he has with his arm, he can mask with his legs. Okay, well he'll be good for fantasy, then. He might be he might be good for for the Colts as as far as we know. I I do trust that Shane Steichen 
will be able to get Richardson going in the right in the right direction. I think if there was if there was any fit that was going to make sense where I could say, okay, I could I could at least say I understand the thinking, it's number four with the Colts. Anybody else, I would have really questioned it. But this this fit just does just makes sense. It's a natural fit. Well then I guess if he fucks up, then you can't blame the coaching staff. You can, you can't. I mean, we'll have to see, but I mean, yes. it's a, it's a pretty interesting pick for sure. Um, okay. Number five, another trade, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, fill out their quarterback or corner back room with the, with Devin Weatherspoon out of Illinois. What do you think? What do you think about that pick? I don't mind it. My only my only issue with it is I thought Seattle had bigger needs than going and dressing the corner spot with Devon Witherspoon. Uh, even though I like him, he was my number one corner coming into coming into this draft. They needed help on that defensive line. They had Tyree Wilson there, they had <clears throat> Jalen Carter there. There were so many other potential needs that they could have filled, and they chose to go with Devon Witherspoon. I said, all right, if they if they're going to go corner here. That maybe they go D line at at number twenty, which they didn't. But in any event, I th- I think Devon Witherspoon is very 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 talented. I think he's an outstanding defender. Only allowed one touchdown in twenty twenty one, and then in twenty twenty two, opponents only caught twenty two passes on sixty two targets for two for two hundred and six yards, which is dominant. Which is a dominant display from any corner, let alone one that was picked number five overall in the NFL draft. So I like it. I like it a lot. I understand why they did it, but I just thought that maybe there were other needs that Seattle could have gone and explored. And I would have understood it more if they did go with a D lineman at 20, which as we'll get to, they did not. Yep. Um, thank you, Denver, for that one. That was uh, that was yes. that. This pick was as a result of the Russell Wilson trade. Correct. For those, key, for those keeping score at home. Um, and at number six, the Cardinals trade up again from 12 uh, to number six to get Paris Johnson, the uh, best tackle off the board. And great pick for them, for sure. Offensive line has been a problem forever, it seems like, for the Cardinals. Yes, and this was a pick that actually was lobbied specifically by Kyler Murray. That Kyler Murray really wanted the Cardinals to get their hands on Paris Johnson, and I think he lines up perfectly for Arizona at their left tackle spot. Um, he's a smart kid. He's going to pick up this scheme very, very, very quickly. He could play tackle. He could play guard if need be. Again, I think his long-term spot is going to be at left tackle, protecting Kyler Murray's blind side. And it makes a lot of sense as to why they decided to move up and down the board, go from three, trade back to 12, move up to six. You still get a ton of assets. You're going to be a rebuilding team and you start building from the inside out. And one of the ways that you do it is you take Paris Johnson, who, by the way, two things. Number one, talked about this on the rumor show Thursday morning, that Paris Johnson was getting a lot of love and potentially could go in the top 10. That's exactly what happened. And then number two, the Cardinals knew that if they wanted to get Paris Johnson, they had to trade above the Las Vegas Raiders, who, from what I was told, they were going to take Paris Johnson at number seven if he was there. Very interesting. Well, 
let's go into the Vegas Raiders who picked uh, Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, the defensive end. And um, yeah, another uh, pretty solid pick for them. Yeah, really, 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 really solid pick. A little raw, but the upside is absolutely tremendous. He's a perfect fit for them in their in their fourth in their forty three defensive scheme. He's going to line up opposite of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Would be a massive, massive lift for that pass rush. Monstrous human being, six five and a half, two seventy one, almost thirty six inch arms, and an eighty four and a half inch wingspan. Stupid, and he tested so well at the combine. Physically impressive. Quick, first burst, terrific, great hands, violent hands. He is an absolutely dominant edge rusher, but there are still so many things about him that is just that are very, very, very raw that he needs to continue to improve on. I'm going to be very, very curious to see how that all works out. But I think if you're looking for a great spot where he can go and and perhaps hone his craft a little bit, I think Las Vegas is a great spot for that. I think Chandler Jones could be a really, really, really important um mentor for him in terms of how to become a better more polished pass rusher at the next level so i like the fit a lot i think the raiders uh raiders definitely lucked out that tyree wilson managed to uh, manage to get them get there for him yep uh this next pick is uh really a uh, pat on the back for you bird because you kind of called this one thank you with uh, Bijan Robinson going to Atlanta. Um, I still don't think it's like great just because I don't think a running back is like what, what the Falcons need, but I don't want to repeat what I said on Tuesday show, but yeah, I mean, it's a pretty solid playmaker for the Falcons offense. Look, he is, the most exciting offensive player in this entire draft, maybe the most exciting all around player in this entire draft. And it's an exciting pick. It's going to be fun for Atlanta on offense. Talked about Arthur Smith and how he wants to have that bell cow running back. that he can just hand the ball off to 25, 30 times, by the way, rest in peace to uh, any sort of fantasy value for Tyler Algier. Uh, that's dead. That is dead and buried. That, that's so sad that it's uh, that it's come and gone, but I like Bijan Robinson. I love Bijan Robinson. I'm be interested in him in fantasy. However, if you're looking at this through just the lens of the NFL draft, there were so many defenders here that could have helped Atlanta, and they had one of the worst defenses in the National Football League last year. Only generated 21 sacks. That's not good enough. That is not good enough. There are multiple the defenders went after. They could have picked the guy that went the pick after. So Atlanta, Atlanta were one of the teams that had Jalen Carter completely off of their board, and I understand why, given a lot of the um, a lot of the indiscretions with him occurred, of course, in, in Georgia, Georgia. So I, I understand why Atlanta didn't go in that direction. I do. Um, We'll get to Jalen Carter in a minute, but it. While I was right about the whole Bijan Robinson thing, I am excited for Bijan. I think that this is a luxury pick when the Falcons are still not in a position where they could take luxury items. But I can tell you what, heading up the skill positions on offense, where you have Bijan Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts, 
It's not bad. Well, now it looks nice. At least on paper. They just need the quarterback. Yes, they just need the quarterback. Uh, okay, so Jalen Carter. Then Eagles traded up to get Jalen Carter. And, you know, the more that I heard that pick getting analyzed, you know, on ESPN talking about the other players from Georgia on that Eagles defense, I'm like, you know what? This makes a lot of sense. I feel like this would be a good pick for them. This is a good fit for the Eagles. So there was a text that one of my sources got from a an assistant coach in the NFC East on his reaction to the Philadelphia Eagles taking Jalen Carter. And this uh, assistant coach within the division said, and I quote, damn it, close quote. Unbelievable pick. And as we're going to see later on in this draft, the Eagles are turning into the modern-day Ravens. It's just no matter what they do, no matter where they are, the draft always seems to fall to them, no matter what. No matter what. And it was either going to be Jalen Carter or B. John Robinson. And quite honestly, they got the guy, I think, that fits a need more so. Because now you're looking at Jalen Carter where you could play him situationally this year. And then next year when Fletcher Cox is probably gone, you have Jalen Carter and you have Jordan Davis. That is your... uh, your tackle pairing for the next decade plus in Philadelphia, the best pure football player in this entire draft. Obviously the off field concerns are substantial, but get this guy on a football field. He is considered by many, many, many that I've spoken to, to be a wonderful teammate, a really, really good teammate, a great locker room guy, but just as a little immature, but he's also a younger kid. He'll grow up, I think, a little bit. And I think with the veteran leadership that also exists in Philadelphia with guys like the aforementioned Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, I think it's going to make it's going to be a, a humongous help towards the transition for Jalen Carter into the National Football League. I love, love, love this pick from the Philadelphia Eagles. This might have been the pick of the night. Yeah, I agree with you. It was a great, great, great pick. Um, and now the Chicago Bears. The one, one okay. thing that I wanted to say oh. on the Eagles is really quick. Yes. Art Roseman, again, just drafting based on what the board tells him to do. And that is the Ozzie Newsom, Eric DaCosta, Baltimore Ravens way of doing things. Howie Roseman takes advantage of that and gets himself the best pure football player in this draft. Yep. Yeah, they've really learned. They've progressed a lot since their colossal Jalen Rieger fuck up of 2020. Correct. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the uh, Chicago Bears at number 10, who the Eagles traded with, picked the another offensive tackle off the board, uh, Darnell Wright, who, I mean, they did need offensive line help. And Wyatt Bird is uh, pinching the bridge, the bridge of his nose currently. Why are you doing that, Bird? Peter Skaronsky was right there. I know. Skaronsky was right there. And this was the first move of the night where I was noticeably shaking my head and saying, well, there were so many defensive players that were on the board in this spot where they needed help. And quite honestly, 
they could have just stayed put and they could have taken Jalen Carter because they needed the help in that department and they didn't do it. So, and 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 for what it's worth, I don't know if the Bears had Jalen Carter on their board or not. Um, I'm going to do some digging on that, but I don't know. So whatever the reason was, they saw value in trading down a spot. But they instead took Darnell Wright. And listen, I like Darnell Wright. I think Darnell Wright's a damn good football player. But I just don't like him more than I like Skaronsky or than I like Broderick Jones. And unfortunately, uh, I thought this was a big time with by the Chicago Bears that instead of getting Matt Eberflus another weapon for his defense, specifically trying to go find someone that could uh, take care of the three technique, which is absolutely vital in Matt Eberflus's defense, they go ahead and the GM, Ryan Poles, who's a former offensive lineman, decides that he's going to go and take Darnell Wright for the offensive line. And... Yeah, not the first real head scratcher of the night. And I can't say that I'm surprised it's from the Chicago Bears. So I'm being quite honest. Also, Peter Skronsky played at Northwestern. Yep. Mm -hmm. He he was right there. Right up the street. Literally. Yep. Yep. And offers and offers position versatility, which Darnell Wright doesn't. He he can, but he's definitely more of your out and out right tackle. Yeah, his tape looked good though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Don, Don Wright could play football. I'm not saying that he can't. I'm just saying that I like Skaronsky and Jones more. And I think Darnell Wright could have been had a little bit later. I thought Chicago potentially could have traded that again. Yeah, well, we'll talk about this when we get to 15 because, I mean, this draft, like, I don't know how many offers as you get later into the draft there were to trade down or trade back. Just because the draft was a lot shallower. Sure. Um, but yeah. Uh Peter Skaronsky, as we talked about, went right after two Tennessee at eleven. They stayed put and just had this great offensive tackle fall into their lap. I mean, they're probably gonna get one of either Wright or Skaronsky or Jones at this point, right? Yes. Yes. It was all but guaranteed that they were gonna get one of them. It was just a matter of of which one. And Skaronsky was the one that they liked the most. So it ended up where Tennessee hit a home run here. Where Skaronsky, again, he could play either guard, he could play tackle. Comes from a lineage of offensive linemen. His grandfather was former Packers offensive lineman Bob Skaronsky. And the only real question that Skaronsky faces are about his, is about his arms. And whether or not he has long enough arms that will reach those elite NFL edge rushers as a blindside protecting left tackle. It's a valid enough concern, but Skaronsky offers up the position versatility where you can start him at guard, see how he does. And then eventually once he gets caught up to speed, you shift him outside or you throw him in the deep end. You play him at left tackle, have him replace Taylor Lewan, and you see how he does. So overall, I love the pick by, by the Tennessee Titans. Uh, feels it. Big, big, big area of need, and they get, in my opinion, uh, the best offensive lineman on the board at this spot in Skaronsky. Yep, and you know, in, in the modern day NFL, that's like the 
the biggest key is to have that positional versatility with your offensive linemen. Yes. You got to be, Correct. you got to have your, your tackles need to be able to play guard and your guards need to be able to play tackle and also maybe center if need be. Correct. So I, I totally agree with that. Uh, okay. Number 12. This is a fun pick. Oh, my God. I was right. I, yep. I didn't expect it to be like this, but I was right. Um, the Detroit Lions said, fuck it. Let's have more running backs. And they took Jameer Gibbs out of the University of Alabama. But why, though? I think the Lions got some bad information, if I'm being honest. I was told that there was no team between up to 18 that had interest in Jameer Gibbs. I don't know about any teams in the 20s. I don't know if a trade-up from the 20s was going to happen. I doubt it for a running back. But oh my god. You now have Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, and DeAndre Swift in the same backfield. And I haven't heard anything about this yet, but I highly doubt that DeAndre Swift is a member of the Lions for much longer. And I think this turns into the the Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery show. And I think we are seeing the final days of DeAndre Swift in as a Detroit Lion. Now, I could be wrong, but I just struggle to see how you roll with Montgomery, Gibbs, Swift, keep those three guys happy, get the amount of touches that they're going to command to the point where you keep that offense flowing. Yeah, I don't really see how you are able to do that. To me, this pick, this was the ultimate head-scratching pick of the night. Darnell Wright happened, and then this happened. <laughs> and it made Darnell Wright seem somewhat sane. This was just bad. This was just very, very, very bad. Well, honestly, outside of the Vikings, it was not a banner night for the NFC North. Uh, no. No, definitely not. Because right after, the Packers don't pick a receiver. They pick a defensive end. Um, okay. So what I will say is I'm a big fan of NS and I like the pick here. The Packers, we know what the Packers are. They're not a team that's going to go all out and draft skill in the first round. The Packers will have an opportunity to draft a receiver in round two, if not round three. They'll be good enough receivers in that range where they'll be able to get a contributor uh, immediately. But there's no doubt Van Ness is a producer. They needed someone off of the edge. They needed someone that's going to improve their defense. Van Ness absolutely does that. The only question is where do they decide to play him? Is he going to be is he going to be in a 34 defensive end, or is he going to play? in a 43 outside linebacker position. That's the only thing we need to see with what the Packers are going to do with him. But overall, I like the pick for Van Ness. I agree that pass catcher could have been more of a, of a more pressing need, but as we're going to see in this draft, it turns out that the pass catchers did not have as much value as we thought. Yeah. And really they're all bunched up into one spot of the draft, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. Yes. Yes, I believe I, I also had reported that on the rumor show this morning that 
uh, there was going to be a potentially significant run on the pass catchers in the 20s, specifically the receivers. Yeah, like all the big ones basically went in a row. <laughs> yeah, yeah, three, three in a row. It was four, actually. Four in a row, four in a row. Yeah, no, that's right, that's right. Yep. Anyway, it went Jackson Smith and Jake Quinton Johnson, Zay Flowers, and then uh, Jordan Addison. I'm surprised. Did you, are you looking at the, or did you do that for memory? Memory. Wow. Well, there you go. Memory. It, it only happened less than an hour ago. Yeah, I know. Well, no, but, maybe, maybe like two now. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, we're only halfway through this. So Roderick Jones went to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ah, that's a good pick for them. I'm sad that the Jets didn't get him. The New England Patriots fucking the Jets. A tale as old as time. Fuck Bill Belichick. It's so funny. I literally, <laughs> I literally said it as soon as it happened. I said to myself, oh my God, Bill Belichick really just traded out. So that way a team could come up and get the offensive lineman that the Jets were going to take. And that is exactly what was going to happen. The Jets, were going to, the Jets were going to take Broderick Jones. And Bill Belichick said, oh, for sure. Nope hilarious the man hates the new york jets it is so funny <laughs> nobody really hates the is. jets more than bill belichick it's it just really, weird honestly adam like it's almost sad it's so funny it really is i got a really really good laugh out of that but <clears throat> roger jones raw very 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 raw can play either left tackle or left guard i think he's more of a tackle i think he's a plug and play left tackle right away very fast offensive lineman no one was faster at the combine at the offensive line position then broderick jones ran the 40 and i believe it was a 4.97 i believe was his 40 time if i can remember that from uh from memory he is a guy that is going to get upfield and get upfield in a hurry and in an offense like Pittsburgh has where they rely on their running backs to catch those little dump-offs and to run upfield on screens and of the sort, Broderick Jones is a perfect fit for that. He just needs to tweak some things right away, but I do think Broderick Jones, despite how raw he potentially can be, I think the athletic traits in and of itself are strong enough where he can start day one for the Pittsburgh Steelers, an outstanding pick. At 14 overall for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It did not cost them very much. And it helped the Patriots in their long-serving vendetta against the New York Jets. So, good on the Steelers. Good on the Patriots. Speaking of the Jets, I mean, I don't really like the direction that they went in. Making uh, Will McDonald um, out of Iowa State. Because just because they have too many, you know, edge rushers. And outside linebackers, when really what they needed was on the inside, if they were going to pick a linebacker, um, and I mean maybe a corner, I don't know, or a receiver or something like that. I just I don't know. I feel like picking from like sometimes it's good to pick from a position of strength, but for this, there's just like there aren't enough snaps for all these guys to play, where you have. You know, John Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson, uh, Michael Clemens. You know, it, it's tough. 
and now Will Anderson or um, now Will McDonald's. So there were some some people that I talked to when the Will McDonald pick was made, where they said immediately there was a bit of a reach for the Jets, and I understand why, because their guy was Broderick Jones, and when Broderick Jones didn't happen, they had to pull an audible on the fly, and. Will McDonald's, he, he's a great edge rusher. He was he was very productive at Iowa, one of the most twitchiest athletes. Iowa State, by the Iowa way. Iowa State, excuse me. Um, one of the most twitchiest athletes in the entire draft and really gets to the quarterback a significant amount. The production was off the charts at Iowa State. I thought that he was best served to be an outside linebacker on a 34 scheme, but I think think he can operate with his hand in the dirt and the Jets 43. Uh, it's a wait and see. He'll probably start out in situational pass rushing opportunities, but I could definitely see him getting more and more work with the Jets. And Rob Sala, defensive guy, he'll definitely help Will McDonald uh, out a lot. So I think if you're matching player with coach, coaching staff, and scheme, I think there's a very, very good fit here with Will McDonald, even though I thought personally he was more of a fringe round one pick. I didn't really see him in the middle of round one. I understand why the Jets did it. I think there is a player there. I'm not not as low on the pick as many Jets fans are because I've seen some absolutely horrific takes about Will McDonald. And all I have to say is Jets fans should be fucking ashamed of themselves. What I know, I know you got you just got Aaron Rodgers. You were happy for 24 hours and you've gone back to being insufferable, miserable, angry, and sad. I know. Well, it's I don't know. This is I'm why just nobody a, likes you. That's not true. Really? Really? <laughs> really? Really? You think anybody is feeling bad for Jets fans right now? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's not what you said. But that, whatever. We this have to... is why nobody likes you. You have Aaron Rodgers, and all is good. All is good in the world. You're going to the playoffs, Super Bowl, a whole bit. And then 24 hours later, oh, fuck. We lost the fucking draft because we took an edge rusher. Okay, we well, that's, an edge rusher. that's excessive. But He's a fine pick. He's a fine pick. He's a fine football player. And he adds, uh, he adds to the strength of the Jets. He adds to an already unbelievably great defense. Have more options. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why every time I choose to read comments on like Twitter, I realize that that is the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. Yes, Twitter is a hostile, hostile environment. Like I'm sure, I'm sure. Like, not to get too into it, um, because. Obviously, we both want to go to bed swiftly. Um, I'm sure Rangers Twitter right now is just the center for civil discourse. Oh, yes. It's uh, it's the United Nations in there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the, Yal- the Yalta Conference. Yeah. Mm, it's, uh, oh boy. The General Council of the U.N. I would uh, I would not like to talk about United it. Nations is that. That was good. That was good. Yeah. I like that. That tickled me. Yeah. 
very hard, for, very hard to get a laugh out of me when when the clock is saying twelve something a.m. That got me, Adam. That was good. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Yeah, I mm, Ranger Twitter is uh, is uh, very sad. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's you not think get that. You think that they that they'd have lost series by how people were reacting on on Rangers Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, they might have basically, mm-hmm. but that's not what we're here to talk about. Number sixteen, the Commanders picked Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State, a uh, a corner for their defense. Very solid pickup for them. Undersized corner with elite, elite ball skills. He returned six picks for touchdowns, which set an FBS record and averaged just about 28 yards per INT return. He's just a mix of speed, elite ball skills, and unbelievable quickness. Ran 4-3-5 in the 40. This kid is a full-on athlete. Only concern with him is that he's a little bit undersized, but what he lacks in in height and weight, he makes up for with just a ball thrown in his direction. He's not losing that ball. He just isn't. He's got, he has wide receiver instincts in playing a corner, which is rare for, for a corner. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes, a very, very good pick by, by Washington and a pick that makes a lot of sense in a position that they needed to address. I mean, how much do you think that size will really hurt him in the NFL? Because the receivers are bigger and it's, like I don't know how those ball skills will translate. Um, if you know, I don't know. This is very rudimentary, but like I, th- I think it gets more, uh, more elite, higher. No, it's, it's a fair point, Adam. I think it's against more higher elite receivers. Um, he'll struggle a little bit in terms of the the size mismatch, but the ball skills are the ball skills, and that you can't really teach. It's either you have it or you don't. And he has those instincts, which is you want to play a maker on the defensive side of the ball. That's what Emmanuel Forbes is. A really, 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 really solid football player with explosive potential. I mean, I guess I would rather have somebody who, if I had to pick, I'd have somebody who's shorter, who has better ball skills as opposed to a tall guy who, you know, doesn't really play the ball that well and just plays the man or whatever um, and gets a bunch of penalties. So mm-hmm. I get that. Uh, okay. Another corner going to new England. Um, Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, um, new England. Definitely. I'm sure they need more corners um, and yeah. Okay. Pick for them. Some people really? that I talked, some people that I talked to, this is the highest corner that they had on their board. And just so fitting that Bill Belichick is able to trade about, trade back three spots and still get a guy that fits exactly what he is looking for. It is classic. It is what Bill Belichick has done for, let alone the last 20-some-odd years. Work the board, move down, get more assets, still get your guy. Christian Gonzalez has the makings of a Pro Bowl corner on the outside. This is a guy that we talked about where you need to go and find a corner that's going to go up against Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill slash Jalen Waddell, Garrett Wilson. This is your guy. Get ready for Christian Gonzalez versus Garrett Wilson for the next 10 years 
in the AFC East. It's going to be an unbelievably fun matchup every single year going out. Um, a really outstanding corner, solid, solid tape. Reminds me a lot of Byron Jones, just a little bit bigger. Ooh, that's a great comp. He's he's unbelievable. I lo- I loved his tape. It was very close between him and Devon Witherspoon for me as to who the number one corner was for me. And for a long time, it, it was Christian Gonzalez. So it's very close between the two. I'm a big, big, big fan of of his. And I love the pick by the Patriots. All right. Well, get ready. I'm about to make a really corny joke. Sure. So, sure. Jack Campbell take it takes some time off from playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs to be drafted by the Detroit Lions. Yep. Oh, that's not corny. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I won't, I won't crucify you for it. <laughs> um. Yeah. This. This. This is just. It's such a Dan Campbell pick. It really is. Like, if you want, I'm a big Jack Campbell guy. Uh, Jake and I had our debates about this. Uh, he's your classic out and out linebacker. He's going to just tackle everybody, led the nation in tackles as a junior with 143, had 128 tackles in 2022, unanimous first team All American, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, 6'4 and a half, 250, better in zone coverage than a man, but can do it. Um, has some injury concerns, but when he hits you, he hits you hard. Very underrated quickness and has all the pedigree to be a really top linebacker at the next level. Won the Butkus Award as the nation's top linebacker. He's a guy that's going to bring high, high-end character. Um, he's going to be a guy that is going to enhance and improve the culture that exists in the Detroit Lions locker room. He's a leader. This is the kind of guy that you want on your football team. Even if it's a reach, which I think it is, I'm not going to shit on this pick because I love the football player that the Detroit Lions got. Really good pick by the Detroit Lions and not not a pick that I thought they were going to go and make for what it's worth. When they did make it, I was very impressed. All right. Very cool. Number 19, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers picked uh, Kalijah Kansi out of Pitt, the uh, defensive tackle. Uh, good good uh, pick there to play alongside Vita Vea at that defensive tackle spot on the defensive line, which is going to be very interesting for years to come. Yes, very, very much so. Uh, a little bit interesting that Kalijah Kansi was picked by the Bucs because they normally play a 34 defense where almost all of Kalijah Kansi's experience comes in a 43 that he ran in pit, mainly in the A-gap. So I'm a little bit intrigued by how they're going to make that work, but there's anybody that's going to see it and understand how to get the most out of Kalijah Kansi. It is Todd Bowles, and this is a Todd Bowles pick through and through they needed help in that defensive line adam is 100 correct get him in there with vita vea Re- I, I like the pick even though i question the fit and how it's going to work schematically there's no doubt that kalijah cancer can play football and i feel like his the peak of his powers haven't even been touched yet this is a guy that in three four years time if all pans out we're talking about as one of the best interior defensive linemen in the national football league 
Yeah, for sure. Um, this pick, I love this pick uh, for Seattle at 20. Getting a guy, getting JSN to uh, play on their team with uh, DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett and um, having getting Geno Smith that weapon, another weapon, is going to do wonders for him and the and the Seahawks and starting that run on receivers. Um, and I, I don't know. I I just think that this is a really good pick for uh, Pete Carroll and John Schneider of the Seahawks. Many thought maybe this could be the pick that was going to replace Geno Smith. It turned out this could be this was a pick that is continuing to build around Geno Smith with Jackson Smith and Jigba. You get now JSN, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. That's one of the best receiving trios in, in football right then and there. A great pick. Uh, we'll have more fantasy discussions about this uh, over the next week, month, year, whatever. Um, but as it stands, just based on NFL and what kind of pick this was, it's a great pick. And down the line, we'll be seeing the Seattle Seahawks receiving core led by Jackson Smith and Jigba and DK Metcalf. That's what this is. Right now, they run as a trio, but eventually Tyler Lockett, he won't be there for forever, and they'll have to pass the mantle eventually, and this turns into the DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith, and Jigba show. Love it, love it, love it, love it by the Seattle Seahawks. Great pick. Yep. Uh, the theme of these next four picks is getting your quarterback weapons. Mm-hmm. In a big way. Big, 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 big way. Uh, another a weapon for Justin Herbert, Quentin Johnston out of TCU going to the Chargers at 21, 21st overall, because it, in case you don't remember, the Dolphins don't have a first round pick in this draft. So that's why there are only 31 picks in this first round. Correct. As a result of tampering charges with the Dolphins revolving around Tom Brady and Sean Payton, but Quentin Johnson and Mike Williams on the outside with Keenan Allen operating the slot. Wow. Yeah. They weren't kidding. Brandon Saley was not kidding when he said he wants to do everything that he can to get Justin Herbert back to where he was a couple years ago. This is a step in the right direction, folks. This is a great step. Now, I'm not the biggest Quentin Johnston guy. He's not exactly my cup of tea when really he should be because he's a big bodied, big body, great hands, 50 50 winner receiver. But I think he's a little raw, but he is in a great situation out in Los Angeles where he's the clear number three. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, the number one, number two. And he'll get significant playtime. He immediately starts on the outside for the Los Angeles Chargers. Great pick by the Chargers. Yep. Uh, if there's anybody that's going to outscore their problems, it's going to be the Chargers this year, it feels like. Correct. Uh, next up, the Baltimore Ravens gets their new, their newly minted quarterback, uh, a number one receiver, potential number one receiver in Zay Flowers on the Boston College. Great Reminds me of them. Reminds me a lot of Hollywood. Reminds me a lot of Hollywood Brown. That go receiver can outrun anybody. He is just a lightning bolt on the field. And he's your definite, he's your definite go receiver, your downfield playmaker. 
You have Odo Beckham that can operate underneath. You have Mark Andrews there. One of the biggest complaints for me in recent years was that the Baltimore Ravens have not done enough to surround Lamar Jackson with enough talent. Now, what do you get coming out of this? You have Lamar Jackson signed up long-term, J.K. Dobbins in the backfield, Odo Beckham, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews. That is looking very, very nice for the Baltimore Ravens. I like what they're doing. Keep doing it. Keep surrounding Lamar Jackson. Make him absolutely more, what's the word I'm looking for here? Give Lamar Jackson more options and continue to protect him. Continue to reinforce your offense around Lamar Jackson. That's what I was looking for. There we go. It's one o'clock in the morning. I am tired. Yeah, I'm I get losing it. my I am losing my thoughts. I, I get it. I totally get it. Speaking of uh, Yeah. Uh speaking of uh stacked receiver rooms, I mean the Minnesota Vikings getting Jordan Addison um to go along with Justin Jefferson. It's pretty pretty solid. Fills a need. Fills a need with uh, with Adam Thielen no longer in town. They could not roll with KJ Osborne as the next best receiver outside of Justin Jefferson. They had to go and make this move. Minnesota has clear defensive needs, which I hope they will explore in rounds two, round three, and beyond. But Jordan Addison fits an immediate need. He was there, and they didn't take him. I'm sure the Giants would have traded up to then go ahead and take him um, at 24 with with this with this next pick. So uh, Jordan Addison. Great, great, great pick will be a great complimentary receiver to Justin Jefferson uh, for the next handful of years in Minnesota. Yep. Speaking of those New York Giants, the New York Giants did trade up to select uh, Deontay Banks, the corner out of Maryland. Uh, corner was definitely a need for the Giants as well. And uh, he is really going to fit in that Giants defense also. That was actually pretty good uh, last year as well. With no skilled players on the board really left after they had traded for Darren Waller. The tight ends were still here. They could have gone that route, but there were other needs. I thought linebacker was was a need for them. They could have gone and reinforced their offensive line. Instead, they take the best man-to-man corner in this entire draft. Um, he tested absolutely incredibly at the combine. Physical, energetic. He is going – I'm shocked – that Deontay Banks was not considered more in the in the twenty in the in the late teens range. Um, this is a guy that is just unbelievable, and I think because he plays he played for Maryland, there was a chance that he was a bit under the radar. But there's no doubt the Giants did their homework and they got a guy that is going to be an immediate starter for them day one on the outside and in a division where I mean let's face it. He's going to have a lot of really, really good receivers to cover. And the Giants did themselves a really big favor by going out and getting Deontay Banks. They just have to keep in mind now that in round two, round three, they have to be on the lookout for that receiver. For sure. For sure. Um, speaking of tight ends, uh, Dalton Kincaid out of Utah, out of the U, but not that one uh, that people in Utah call the University of Utah, the U, um, in case you didn't know that. But, um, yeah, the Bills draft Dalton Kincaid, and, you know, this just shows that, you know, 
they're looking to draft their tight end in the future and that they don't think that Dawson Knox is that guy really. Um, and I feel like they've been trying to replace him for the past like year or so. So it just makes sense. So they actually view Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox as a tandem. What? <laughs> this is not to replace Dawson Knox. This is to put somebody else out there with Dawson Knox. They view that Dalton Kincaid could potentially operate out of the slot and give them a big body target underneath because he's quick enough to do it. He has the some of the best hands at any um any any pass catcher in this entire draft. And they 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 definitely see that Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid can operate on the field together. Um he definitely is not your prototypical tight end. He is a do-it-all sort of tight end, receiving tight end mainly. Um, but this just gives another weapon for Josh Allen. And continuing to build around him, get up another weapon. Yep. Works for me. Well, that was, was interesting. Pissed. I was pissed that they did it because I really wanted Dalton Kincaid uh, to fall to Dallas. But unfortunately, uh, Buffalo traded up and they get Dalton Kincaid. I think it's a great, great, great fit for him. And I would say for all the dynasty players out there, he is definitely one to go ahead and target. Yep. Well, especially since Dallas already had a Dalton from Utah at playing tight end for them. True. Very true. Yep. Did you know that Dalton Schultz is from Utah? I did know that. Yeah. Because probably because I told you. Yes, you did. Yeah. A random uh, a random caster fact. A ran yes. Aren't they all random? Most most of them are, yes. <laughs> um, I'll let you take this one because it's the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, so uh so Maisie Smith out of Michigan, the defensive tackle. Dallas had needs at tight end and at defensive tackle, and they struggled mightily against the run last year. And so what do they do? They go ahead and they take Maisie Smith. And I know they have Osa Odigizua. Osa Odigizua is more your go-after-the-quarterback uh, defensive tackle. Maisie Smith is going to get to all the dirty areas. He's going to clean up. He's going to get in, in the trenches. And even though the numbers didn't really show up for him, if you watch his tape, he is present on every single snap that he played while at the University of Michigan for Coach John Harbaugh. Um, did I say John Harbaugh? Jim Harbaugh. I almost didn't catch you on that. I was like, yeah, yeah that's that sounds about right. It's like 11 o'clock at night, one in Utah, one o'clock in the morning, 106, 106 a.m. Jim Harbaugh. Um, <laughs> presence was felt in other ways that didn't appear on the stat sheet. I had reported this this morning on the rumor show. Keep an eye out on day two with the Dallas Cowboys and Oregon State tight end Luke Musgrave. I reported there was interest in in him if there was the potential for Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid to not be there for them at 26. Turns out Michael Mayer was. They did not take him. So if Michael Mayer does go early round two, which I do anticipate, Luke Musgrave is the name to watch now. For the Cowboys in round two, if they decide to address their tight end problem, but overall fills a need. Not the most sexy pick in the world. Not a pick that many Cowboys fans will be thrilled with, but 
fills an immediate need. And that's what you want to do with the NFL draft. Yep. A very, very, very safe pick. And and the first time since 1991, the Cowboys have spent a pick on a defensive tackle. Last time they did that was a guy by the name of Russell Maryland. They took number one overall. Number one overall. What year? 1991. Wow. Well, I mean, I guess that kind of worked out for him. He's pretty yep. good, right? Uh, well, we ended up winning uh, a few Super Bowls uh, after, <laughs> after, not so long after that. So, it, yeah, it worked out. Some would say he's okay. Yeah. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, get another offensive uh, lineman to go on that offensive line. Uh, Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. And, you know, solid pickup. I think this makes a lot of sense, especially with Cam Robinson uh, being suspended four games for violating the performance enhancement policy of the National Football League. They needed that swing tackle, and now Anton Harrison is going to be the starter, at least to start the season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Can play either left tackle or right tackle. He's worked multiple schemes while at Oklahoma, and he has enough versatility, like I said, to be a quality starter at the next level on either side of the offensive line for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So fantastic, fantastic depth choice for the Jaguars. Continue to build around Trevor Lawrence. They've gotten him enough pass catchers. Calvin Ridley back there. Uh, return of Christian Kirk, say Jones, Evan Ingram. They have to continue to, to fortify that offensive line. They do that here with Anton Harrison. Yep. The Cincinnati Bengals go defensive end, getting Miles Murphy. That defensive line just getting scarier and scarier. A uh, value pick, considering they only had 36, 30 sacks as a team last year, and they're going up against elite competition in the AFC pretty much every single week now, given the bevy of quarterbacks that are in the conference. Uh, Miles Murphy, former five-star, has all the physical tools to be a complete defensive end. And if you look at the existing defensive players that exist in Cincinnati right now, specifically Trey Hendrickson, uh, that is a match made in heaven for the Cincinnati Bengals. Fit was very important for me with Miles Murphy. This is a great fit for him. Yep. Um, and this kind of continued a uh, run on defensive players to end the draft. And really, it's edge rushers, you know, players that play on the defensive line. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to see that. Uh, Brian Breezy going to New Orleans. At uh, 29, out of Oregon or out of uh, Clemson, excuse me, uh, playing defensive tackle, um, pretty good for their defensive line as well. Significant concerns with the knee, uh, the ACL injury that cut his 2021 season short, hasn't been up to scratch as of yet. Uh, still working his way back from that, but before the injury, this guy we were talking about is a potential top 15 pick in this draft. Um, coming out of high school, he was the number one recruit in the entire country ahead of the likes of Bryce Young. Uh, this is a guy that if you, you're putting him in a great culture, great situation in New Orleans, he's going to make an impact immediately. Dennis Allen knows what he's looking for out of his defensive players. I trusted with this with this selection. Fit was obviously important, and this is a great, great, great fit for him and fills a need also. The, the Saints... We're down defensive linemen with the losses of Marcus Davenport and David Onyemata. 
in the offseason. This fills an immediate need for them. Like the pick a lot, even even though I'm not the biggest Brise fan. Um, I just thought the tape was inconsistent for obvious reasons, given the injury concerns. Um, there's no doubt this is a really, really good kid. Has had to overcome a lot of personal adversity as well. Um, his story, if you haven't heard of it, uh, do, do, do definitely go check it out. It is a uh, one that pulls at the heartstrings, definitely. And uh, obviously, I'm rooting for the kid. I'm rooting for the kid. He's a good kid. Comes from a good family. I uh, just need to make sure that the health definitely checks out. It's the only concerns I have about him because when he was at his best, the guy was one of the top 10 or 15 defensive players in the entire country. Well, top 10, 10, top 10 or 15 overall players in the entire country. Probably top five defensive players in the entire country at his peak. Wow. Um, and but a really, really, really good kid. Yeah. Uh, the... Second to last pick, the Philadelphia Eagles continue to draft former Georgia Bulldogs with Nolan Smith at uh, at outside linebacker. Is that more of like an edge rusher or is he just strictly an outside linebacker? I think he's going to play more defensive end for the Philadelphia Eagles, but he definitely is more of your Swiss army knife that could go and just do it all and Again, it's just the rich get fucking richer. It, it, it's just crazy. And you look at uh, Jalen Carter at number nine. When Jalen Carter was struggling during his workouts, who was the guy that was over there trying to get him up and trying to, you know, egg him on and, and, and encourage him? It was Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith is a leader. And this is another Georgia Bulldog on this defense. Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean. I had Nolan Smith mocked number 10 overall to the Philadelphia Eagles. I did not think that he was going to be there at number 30. And it just so happens that, yet again, the Philadelphia Eagles find a way to win the NFL draft. Because here they are, two Georgia Bulldogs, once again, at great values, just find a way to magically fall to them. And here we are. This is a guy that just has motor, 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 motor. And I think there's a real chance that if you look at this defense just entirely with Nolan Smith, with Jalen Carter, with Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick, there, there is a real chance this defense breaks the NFL sack record next year for total team sacks. I believe that. This defense is absolutely ridiculous now. I mean, they might be up there with like the 85 Bears. Potentially. That's a big stretch. That's a big, <laughs> big, big, big stretch. But, but there's I no mean, doubt. There's no doubt on paper that this defense is just ridiculous. Well, especially that defensive line. I mean, that's how they won the Super Bowl when they won in 2017 is with that defensive line, the front mm-hmm. seven. Yes. Yep. And, and that's what they're going ahead and reinforcing. Yep. And that's how and that's what got them to the Super Bowl last year is that defense. It's the Baltimore Ravens way of drafting. It's yep. identifying who's on your board, following your board, and drafting based on your board. That's it. With a with a pinch, little tiny sliver of get lucky. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. For the last pick of the first round, the Kansas City Chiefs pick a player out of Kansas State. Funny enough. Um. Felix and Udike Uzama. 
the this defensive is end. Cla- classic Kansas City Chiefs pick. They lose Frank Clark in the offseason. And what do they go and do? They just go and replace him with a local with a local kid, Kansas State Felix Center DK Uzama. A really great story. Uh walk on at Kansas State at 20 in 2020 and then just completely burst it out of nowhere and turn into one of the best pass rushers in the Big 12. High motor, super well put together, really, really, really good kid. I don't think that he starts necessarily right away, but there's no doubt that the, that the raw talent could be enough where he becomes a really solid pass rusher in the future for the Kansas City Chiefs. And you have Anodike Ozama, pair him next to George Karloftis on both sides of the defensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs. You have a really formidable pass rushing duo for a long time with the Chiefs. Really good pick. A lot of upside, but super, super raw. Yep. And I feel like it was really cool having uh, that whole like mini ceremony with um, the like bringing out the Lombardi trophy before the pick and putting it on the pedestal. I thought that was really cool. You mean, especially since you mean at the very end when everyone was just wanting to just hear the pick and go to bed. Yeah, I know. Well, at the time I was like, eh, this kind of sucks. I just want to hear the pick and get on. That's what we all were doing. We're just like, oh my God, can we just hear the pick? But now that like, you know, time has passed, I'm like, you know what? That's actually a really cool move. And it like, it worked out because the draft was in Kansas city. So, um, yeah, I think it was really cool. And Clark and Clark Hunt is very, very, very nerdy. Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. We love people who are nerds. Sure, sure. Nerdcast, great program. Great program. It doesn't exist anymore. But, uh, the, <laughs> but you know, as a self, uh, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. As somebody who identifies as a nerd, I love nerds. Big fan. Nothing wrong with nerds. Great no. people. Great people. All right. Well, this has been great. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. And we will get to you next week talking about talking a bit about the rest of the draft maybe um and then also doing a mock as well now that we have now that by monday all the pieces will be in place and we'll be able to see what teams might look like actually like get our first look at what teams might look like because obviously there still might be some trades um as we head into uh training camp but Really, this is probably going to be our first best look at what the season is going to look like going forward before we draft for real in August and September. Agreed. Yep. For my co-host at Birdsall, I'm Adam Caster. I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.